As I said a few moments ago, I always get excited when we start a new series. I, I love what God has been doing. Who, who enjoyed the suffering series that we just came through and just understanding how God is in it with us and he's working through it and it's not the end, but it's just the beginning of what God has. And this month, we're going to be talking about stepping stones or stumbling blocks. And I hope from the beginning you know which one is the best. I mean, I take it that you do. Which possesses the greatest potential for your life and your future? Because I find this in life, too often we stumble. Too often we look and say, well, I don't make it. You know, I, I don't feel like I match up to what God has for my life. Well, join the club. I know I do feel like that in my life. But just because I don't feel like it doesn't mean it's not available. Faith's not a feeling. Faith's an action. It's a trust. It's a relationship. It's believing in God. I don't always feel saved, but I know I'm saved. I don't always feel happy, but I know the joy of the Lord is my strength. You see, you've got to know these things in your life, but so often we're stumbling through life. So what's our goal? If we have a goal for this series, here's the goal. For you to realize the best is yet to come for your life. I said the best is yet to come for your life. Luke and I were having a conversation last night and it went like this. Dad, that's really old. Dad, that's been so played out. And it's true. Come on, I I mean, the best is yet to come. How many times have we heard that? Countless times. But here's the reality. I know it's played out and I know it's old, but it's still not happening in your life. It's still not happening in the way it should. So therefore, if we're just saying something, but we're not seeing it in our lives, then we need to revisit what we're saying to understand again the power it possesses. I don't care if it's been shouted from the rooftops a million times. I'm going to say it a million and one time. God has the best still for your life. God has the best for your marriage. God has the best for for your finances. God has the best for your health. God has the best for your employment, your future, your kids, your dreams, your hopes. God has the best. And I believe it's time that we start making a declaration for our future. And the declaration goes something like that. Even in the unknowns of life, God, I believe it can hold the greatest potential for my life. Even through the questions and the doubts, God can use it all when He's Lord of all. If we surrender it to God and give it to God, God can use it all. What do we know about the Christian life? It's a life of unexpected adventure. It amazes me when people talk about, don't be a Christian because it's like boring. I'm like, man, what life are you living? You obviously haven't lived with me for a while. Come, come and hang out with me for a couple of days and I'll, and I'll show you it ain't boring. Come on, you don't have to drink. You don't have to go to clubs. You don't have to sleep around. You don't have to do everything that the world's doing to have fun. In fact, when you do it God's way, you remember what you did and you enjoy it a whole lot more. Come on, the Christian life ain't dead and boring. It's fun. It's full. It's an adventure. But for some of us, the adventure has involved detours. We've found ourselves at dead ends. But I'm here to tell you today and remind you, it still continues. You're still here. 
you're still breathing. The devil tried hard to silence you, to knock you down, but you're still in church on Sunday morning. You're still praising God in the house. You're still remembering what he did for you. And every one of us today are living proof of the struggle, but yet we prevailed. We made it through. And I've just got a sneaking suspicion that God did not bring you through for you just to fail. That God didn't bring you through for you just to be miserable. I say God didn't bring you through for you still to be defeated and be robbed from the peace that he has for you. But God brought you through so you could live a life of victory. You may say, well, pastor, I'm not there yet. Praise God. Start today. Start today. Make a fresh declaration today because a new life can start today. Why? Because I believe it's time for you to live life fully, love completely and lead boldly in your life. That's the vision of our church. Life, love and purpose. We want people to step into the life that God has to them so they can know love like never before and they can fulfill the purpose using their gifts, talents and abilities to be able to make a difference in the lives of other people. You've got to understand we were born with God-given potential to change the world around you. Look at this statement, your life can make a difference. So quick, we're like looking and saying, yeah, well, they can because they're in a position to make a difference. No, God has strategically placed you. How many times do you hear people say, man, I hate my work. Well, why do you hate your work? Because I'm the only Christian there. My God, you are strategically placed to make a difference because light, come on, overcomes darkness. And instead of grumbling about what we think, you want to live in a Christian bubble and a Christian environment and not influence anyone? That's a selfish life. In fact, if you want that kind of life, you should have just prayed after you got saved, God take me to heaven because that's what it's going to be. But I'm telling you right now, I want to influence and impact and touch as many people. So I've got to wake up every day saying, hold on a second, my life can make a difference today. But if my life is going to make a difference, I've got to realize I've got to be different. Because it's the different me that makes a difference in the world that I live. If I'm doing everything like everyone else, there's no difference. My life is not making a difference. I'm just blending in. But God wants us to step out from the crowd. 1 Peter 2 and 9 is actually going to be our theme scripture that we're going to be taken from for this series. But I just wanted to go a little bit earlier than that because I really believe we've got to backtrack a few verses just to get the proper context and to understand 1 Peter 2, 9 a lot more. The title in my Bible read this, Living Stones for God's House. God wants me to be a living stone. So let's go back to verse 4, 1 Peter 2, verse 4, and we're going to read through 9 from the New Living Translation. It says this, You are coming to Christ who is the chief cornerstone of God's temple. Say with me, cornerstone. Cornerstone. The cornerstone was actually a very vital rock. It would have been a lot bigger than this. But the cornerstone was of which that it would be strategically placed into a corner of a building, pretty low in the building. Because what would happen is it would be required to be perfectly level, Perfectly straight, perfectly symmetrical. For what reason? Everything else was taken off of this point. So if it was slightly tilted, guess what? Everything else was going to be out of place. Jesus is the cornerstone. He is strategically, perfectly placed. For what reason? That when we build our life upon him, 
Come on, everything's going to line up. If we build our thoughts upon him, our thoughts are going to line up. If we build our family on him, have them in church, in his house, he's the cornerstone that everything is going to perfectly line up to. But guess what? He was rejected by people, but still chosen by God for great honor. And you are, you and I are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. God's not building a physical temple here. He's not building it with bricks and stones. That's not what he's choosing to do. He said, I want to build a spiritual temple. In other words, he is using you and I to build his kingdom here on this earth. That means I've got to be a witness. I've got to be a light. I've got to be an example to those around because we're building something for God on this earth. And that means I can't just live any way. I can't just do anything. If I'm his spiritual stone, his living stone that's building something, come on, I can't live like hell and expect the rewards of heaven in my life. And it goes on to say, what's more, you are his holy priest. Say with me, holy priest. What is a priest? He is that which is left and entrusted to carry out God's work here on this earth. And that's why you're a target. Because you're a threat to Satan when you begin to realize you were made for more. If you just want to come to church every week and just sit in the chair, sit on the pew, and just raise your hands every now and again, throw a couple of bucks in the offering, and just come and go, really you're no threat to Satan. I said you're really no threat to Satan. But when you become a threat to Satan is when you begin to realize, hold on a second, it's not just about being in church, it's about being the church. It's about stepping up and saying, hold on a second, my life means more than this. I can influence, I can have a a following of people around me. Why? Because I've got something great. That's when you become a target of the enemy. God has called you to be a holy priest. It goes on to say, through the mediation of Jesus Christ. What is the mediation? He became the perfect lamb. His life was given. He is the middle of God and mankind again. He paid the price for our sin debt that we couldn't have. Because of the cross, in other words, he is saying, we can offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. I can now live a life that's pleasing to God because of what Jesus, the mediator, did because he paid the price for you and I. Verse 6, as the scripture says, I am placing a cornerstone in Jerusalem, chosen for great honor. And anyone who trusts in him, say that, trusts in him. Come on, that's the key. That's the key for his plan and purpose for your life. You've got to trust God. You've got to trust him through the process. When you want the result and you want to arrive, But God says, no, how you arrive is of greatest importance to me. You've got to trust him through the process. Because when when you're that lump of clay on the wheel, you don't feel like you're going to be a nice pot sometimes. Come on, you wonder what he's doing as he's pushing down and squeezing and pulling and and slapping on some water and and he's squeezing and he's pushing. You you don't always see the finished product, but what have you got to do? You've got to trust yourself because when you begin to fight, then you can never be what God wants you to be. The clay doesn't fight the potter. It yields to the 
potter. You've got to trust him in the process. Why? Because God is doing something. He's the cornerstone. He is the one that wants to help your life and to shape your life. But here we are thinking we know best. Turn to your name and say, you don't know best. You don't know best. What do we know about trust? Here's what we know about trust. Trust is the foundation for any relationship. You've you got to have trust in order to have a relationship. Every time we enter into a relationship, we take a risk. Because all relationships require trust. And without it, nothing will or can last. And so we've got to trust God. You've got to trust Him. Well, God, I just think my nose is too big. God, I think if you would have just done this, if you would have made my legs a little bit longer, and I was just a, a little bit... Man, I prayed that prayer many times. God, make my legs just a little bit longer. Why? Because I love playing soccer. But there was guys who were taller than me. So that meant if we jumped for the ball, that they had some inches on me. I was like, God, just give me a couple more inches. But God didn't. God, I want to be six foot tall. I'm not quite there. Five foot ten and... Three quarters. Don't forget the three quarters. Very important. Not quite there where I wanted to be. And that's you. Come on, let's be honest. I wished I was smarter. I wished I wasn't as smart. I wished I had this. I wished I didn't have that. But what have I got to do? I've got to trust that God made me the right way to fulfill the right purpose that God has. Because God's got more for my life. I've just got to step into it and begin to realize it. And look what it says in verse 6. And anyone who trusts in who? God. Will never be disgraced. Come on, I went back to the King James Version. How many knows there's God when you go back there? Come on, I went back to the original. And you know what it says there? Anyone who trusts in Him will never be confounded. Confounded. I got the dictionary out on that one. And you know what it says? They will never be damned. What a promise. What a promise when I trust in God. Come on, I'm never going to find that way of life. I'm never going to find myself. Come on, separated from God. I am never damned. When I trust in God, verse 7, yes, you who trust in Him, you recognize the honor that God has given Him. But those who reject Him, who the stone that the builders has rejected, He's still the chief cornerstone. I wish I had time to unpackage all this, but I need to move on. But what he's saying right there in verse 7 is this, man may have chosen his own way, rejected God, but that doesn't change the fact that God's way still is truth, that God's way is still life, that God's way is still the best for you. Verse 8, and he is the stone that makes people stumble. He is the rock that makes them fall. And here's why, here's why. Man's doing, not good. Read on. They stumble because they do not obey. Come on, they stumble over the rock, the cornerstone. Because of what reason? Disobedience. They disobey God's word. Oh God, you made me do it. No, you were disobedient and therefore you're stumbling over something that God says will build your life will shape your life, will fashion your life, will promote your life because they do not obey God's word and so they meet the fate of that which was planned for them. Not by God because we know God comes to give life but the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. We buy into the plan of Satan, what he has for every one of our lives. Come on, say with me, stepping stone or stumbling block. So important. 
The word of God is called to be our stepping stone. But yet, through disobedience, it can become a stumbling block to us. I think of things like this, and, and you may say, hell, here you go again. No, I'm just trying to get some blessing into your life. I, I think about tithing. A lot of people stumble over tithing. A lot of people, oh, I don't want to tithe. I want to be a part of that. It's Old Testament. Let me tell you something about tithing, shall I? Tithing is a great stepping stone for your life. Because when you give to God, you you are not going to be put to shame. That's what the Bible says. He says, I'm going to redeem and I'm going to take that and I'm going to rebuke the devourer and I'm going to open windows of heaven and pour out blessing. But so many of us are stumbling over that. We fail to realize the step up God's word really is to our life. And now verse 9, here's where we're trying to get to. But you are not like that. Wow, I like that. I'm so thankful that I don't have to be like that. I don't have to reject God. I don't have to stumble and be disobedient to his word. I don't have to, come on, I I can see God move him. I can see him perform miracles and blessings. I don't have to be like that. Come on, say it with me. I'm not like that. I'm not like that. I'm not called to that. And that's what we're reminding you of this month. Come on, who you are and what God has called you to. Because why, man, I'm going to preach my message. Let me hold on. I'm going to get ahead of myself right now. Because God says, for you are a chosen people. Come on, you got to square your shoulders back and put your head up high. And say, hold on a second, that's me. Now, do you feel like that? No, but it doesn't matter how you feel. What matters is what God said. You may call me dumb all you want, but here's where I live my life. If God says it, I believe it, and that settles it. Come on, I'm chosen. I said I'm chosen. I'm chosen. You ever been to the grocery store and gone to find some fruit? You don't just grab anything, do you? You kind of take it in your hand and give it a little squeeze. You've you got to look at it. If you want a pineapple, you know how you check if a pineapple is ripe? You take the top piece of the stalk, whatever they call it. And if you can pull out the leaves, that means it's ripe. If you're pulling and nothing's happening, it ain't ripe. Come on, come on. Uh, yeah, yeah, Google taught me that. Just wanted to know. <laughs> Google taught me that. How many of you know it's a melon? If you're picking a melon, you want it to go in a little bit on the ends. If it goes in too far, it's rotten. Yeah. <laughs> I just gotta, can't push too hard. But that's how God, God's hand picked you. I said God's hand picked yeah. you. Uh, You are chosen of God. You are a royal priesthood. I am royalty. What do you think of that, huh? Come on, you are royalty. Come on, say that with me. I'm royal. Come on, never mind Meghan Marple and and the wedding that's coming up and she's going to be married into royalty. Man, boom, already got you. Already royal. Come on now. Already royal. Already royal in God. You are a holy nation. A set apart nation. I love this. You are God's very own possession. 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 Your possession. Have you ever been out in public with your kids and kind of tried to act like they weren't yours? (laughs) Kind of acting up, man. Whose kid's that, man? Don't know about I remember once, Luke's going to kill me for this, it's sermon material. When you're a pastor's kid, you're sermon material. Once we're at a, um, what was it? It was a big game. It was the, what game was it, Luke? It was a big game. 
There was a big football game. It was the, um, the king and queen, the prom. What what they call that? The um, homecoming. Homecoming game. There you go. Help me out. I'm American. We don't have English. We don't have that in England. I'm confused. I'm American. I am now. I'm a citizen. There you go. Not getting rid of me. Anyway, we're at homecoming game. All of a sudden, every light in the stadium goes out. Boom. All the big spotlights. Anyone knows mercury vapor lights? You don't just turn them off and then turn them straight back on. Those babies need about 15, 20 minutes to warm back up. All of a sudden, Kelly turns to me and she says, where's Luke? Where's Luke? I went and found Luke. And it just so happens that Luke had found the breakers. For the whole field. And he just so happened to change the position of the breaker. So anyway, I grabbed Luke and I said, hey, boy, shut up. Don't say nothing. Come and sit down. And you're sitting here. And we're just sitting in the chairs and, and we're hearing all parents talking around because this is halftime. It's delayed the beginning of the next half. It's about 20 minutes. Seriously, I'm not lying. And I start hearing parents say, man, they, they say some kid turned the breakers off. I'm like, oh, really? Wow. That's terrible. Whatever were their parents thinking? Come on. Come on, you know those moments in your life. Where you're like, whose kids? No, they're not my kids. Or, or that's my husband's kids. It's not my, it's my wife's kids. Aren't you glad that no matter the worst day of your life, that God never says, Satan, you can have them. Uh, I'm through with them. I'm done with them. I've given them everything. I've blessed them with everything. I've given them another chance after another chance after another chance. And they've blown it. Satan, you can... I'm glad that God said, that's my kid. That's my child. Devil, get your hands off my possession because they are... Come on, I'm trying to make you see something. I know God has the best for your life, but you've got to start seeing that you're the best. And everything that God has, you're his own very special possession and he has a purpose for you and as a result he wants you to show others the goodness of God I don't deserve it Lenny said it so well I'm unworthy but you know what my unworthiness can show forth the fact of God's grace and mercy and God can use me to show other people why because he has called me from darkness into his wonderful light for a purpose to shine I said to shine to be a light to other people. Listen to what the message Bible says. But you are the ones chosen by God. You are chosen for the high calling of priestly work. You are chosen to be a holy people. You are chosen to be God instruments. To do his work and to speak out for him. To tell other people, oh I love this. Of the night and day difference he made for you. Come on. Taking you from nothing to something. From rejected to accepted. Come on, you've got to realize this. But, but yet, we allow those things, life, the thoughts, the decisions, we allow it to become a stumbling block. You see, there's something I've realized about, let me push it forward so everyone can see. There's something I've realized about a stepping stone and a stumbling block is this. They're pretty much the same thing. Come on, they're pretty much the same thing. But what I choose to do 
or how I choose to respond is what makes the difference. Because I can be disobedient and I can stumble over it. Or I can turn around and say, hold on a second, God, I'm chosen in you. I'm royalty and what can I do? I can step onto it. And that's what God wants you to do. This month, that's what God wants you to do. God wants you to step onto the promises that he has. God wants you to go higher in your life than you have ever gone before. Come on, those things that you used to stumble over, God says, now hold on a second, you're going to stand up on those things. It's going to become a stepping stone. It's going to promote your life. It's going to, oh, I can stumble over this if I'm going to be disobedient. But why not choose to be obedient to God's word? Why not choose to read it and say, God, help me to live according to your word? Why? Because then I can step onto and into everything that you have for me. It's pretty interesting in the New King James Version, verse 8 says this. He says he has become a rock of offense. Rock of offense. Think about that for a moment. The gospel from the outside can appear to be offensive to people. What, what is the symbol of Christianity? A bloody cross. What is the picture of a cross? Suffering. Agony. Humiliation. Torture. Pain. That's the picture of the cross. The gospel message can be labeled a narrow gate. A hard and difficult way. From the outside it can look like the gospel message is all about rules and regulations. You've got to do this and you can't do that. What do we know about Jesus when he was here on this earth? He faced the biggest opposition from the religious people. Why? Because he came to present another way. He came to show them relationship. He came to be a stepping stone for them. Man had made it so hard that on the Sabbath day you've got to do this and do that that people dreaded Sunday. They dreaded church. They dreaded... Is that what God came to do? He said this, that what? Sabbath was made for man. For what reason? For us to have rest, for there to be blessing, for there to be progress in our lives. God thought about you and everything that he has done, but yet Christianity can be offensive to so many people. I don't like that Jesus. I don't want that Jesus. His teachings can be hard to stomach. Because Jesus came and he said, hey, here's what you've got to do. You've got to bless those who persecute you. What? Come on, Jesus, we've been persecuted for so long. I thought you were coming so you could be this earthly king and you could raise up an army. I'm ready to fight and I'm ready to kick some behind. I'm ready to see this over. I'm tired of this. And Jesus said, you've got to be prepared to turn the other cheek. Look at that Jesus. Yeah, look at him. Who's he sitting down and eating with? He's sitting with sinners. He's sitting with prostitutes. He's sitting with rejected. If he is who he says, he should know all those things. 1 Corinthians 1.18, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are heading for destruction. But we who are being saved know its very power. Message Bible says, the message that points to Christ on the cross seems like sheer silliness. To those who are hell-bent on destruction... 
But for those of us on the way to salvation, it makes perfect sense. What am I saying is this. The gospel message that people look at, they can be offended by it. Well, how can that be? But I'm telling you right now, it can become a stumbling block to so many people. But you know what God has called us to be? A light. To shine. Because to us who are being saved, I'm in a process. God is changing me every day. But guess what? As God changes me. So here's the challenge. Are you a stepping stone to other people? Or have you become a stumbling block? In your life, are you a stumbling block? To those around. Matthew 5, 16. Let your light so shine before men out in the open, not hidden under a basket, that they may see your actions of your life and what happens. They're going to glorify God. They want to step up. They want to see change in their lives. Or you can be Mark 9, 42. Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for a millstone to be hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. Not good. Come on, say with me, you're a stepping stone or a stumbling block. You see, thank God for his word and thank God for the opportunities that he has for me to step up. But I've got to realize it's more than just for me. It's for other people around me too. I said it's for other people around me too. I know what God has called you to be. I said I know what God's called you to be. He's called you to be a stepping stone. He's called you to step up into his word and to his truth. But are you ready to do that? Here's a question or a couple of questions for you. Number one, what is it that you feel called to do? What is it in your life that you feel God is calling you to do? I pray every one of you has something that you feel God has called you to do. It's that, it's that thought and that feeling that will keep you up at night. It's that thought, that feeling that you can't shake that you know that's what God has called you to do. And the next question is this. What is getting in your way? What is it that's getting in your way from doing what God has called you to do? Now, I may not know the answer to question one because for every one of us, it's different. I knew as a kid, my calling was to be a pastor, a leader. I knew what God had called me to. That was my saving grace on many report cards. Can I tell you that? (laughs) That I didn't get the greatest grades in some things. I got great grades in PE and physical education and sports and everything. I got an A once, triple plus in sports. But that was my saving grace because in the teacher comment, it said he is a natural born leader. So I'm like, look at my mom and go, yeah. (laughs) So you can excuse the C on math because, hey, I'm a leader. (laughs) And that was my saving grace many times in my life. I know what I'm called to do. But I really believe that for most, I have the answer to number two. What's stopping you? What's stopping you? And here it is. The person who's looking back at you in the mirror every day. Because what's stopping you is you. It's you. It's your doubt. Come on, it's your insecurities. Everyone has insecurities. It's just you've got to learn to deal with them. It's your fears. It's your mistakes. It's your guilt. It's you selling yourself short. Have you heard yourself lately? Oh, well, I'm... You're chosen. 
I said, you're chosen. You're allowing the things that want to be the stepping stone of your life to become the stumbling block of your life. Why? Through disobedience and not trusting God. You're not stepping into everything that God has for your life. Oh, the calling of God is real in your life, but you've got to start accepting that and believing in that. Catch this, and being that. You've got to be that. You've got to be what God has called you to be. God has created you for a bigger life. That was the title of our message today, a bigger life. A big life. God wants you to live in the faith lane. You've got to get out of the safe and you've got to get into the faith. It's like in the pool. You've all been in the pool. You've got to jump in the deep end. You've got to go in so your feet can't touch the bottom. Come on, so many of us just like in the paddling pool and we're paddling around and saying, Jesus is awesome. That's great and thank God for that. But God's got rivers for you to swim in in your life. You're withholding yourself, but we're so afraid. What if, what if, what if? You've got to jump in. Come on, turn to someone and say, you've got to jump in. I love what Brian Houston says. He said, the faith lane is about taking control of your future while still depending on Jesus for every step that you take. You've got to take control. You, you've got to start acting like a child of God, but yet fully dependent upon God for everything that you do. Even if that means walking on water, doing the impossible. But notice this, doing the impossible thus makes it possible. If you're going to do the impossible, if you're going to do something that's impossible, hold on a second, that means it ain't possible, impossible anymore. It's possible. Come on, let's be honest. Man says walking on water is impossible. Have you ever tried it? Have you ever done that? I know I did as a kid. I thought, man, I'm going to walk on the water. And I ran to the edge of the pool and I'm like, boom, boom. Didn't work. Didn't work. Felt like I was going to have some momentum going, but it wasn't long before I sunk to the bottom. But Peter did it. I said, Peter did it. So therefore, if one person does it once, that means it's not impossible anymore, but it's possible. I want you to see something with this. Because some of you would say, well, that's impossible. That will never happen. Has it happened? Has someone else done it? Has God's word said it's possible? Yeah, well, that means it's not impossible. But yet being a stepping stone into my future instead of becoming a stumbling block. Because I can doubt God's word and I'll be disobedient. I'm going to stumble all day. But if God, and it says in his word and someone else, come on, it's possible. It's possible. Come on, let's just go on a journey real quick. I, I know time is gone. Matthew 14, 24, 33. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from the land. Backdrop, they've just had an incredible day. Jesus has been teaching and preaching. Wow, it's awesome. They're hungry. Jesus says, feed them. All they had is five loaves and two fishes. Jesus prays, looks up to heaven, breaks it, and says, go and give it to everyone. Over 5,000 men are fed, never mind women and children. 20, 25,000 people probably fed. 12 basketfuls left over. They're in the boat with 12 baskets full of food left over. Man, what a day. Talk about a spiritual high. But then Jesus tells them, hey, listen, here's what's going to happen. You go ahead on the other side, get in the boat and go, I'm going to dismiss the crowd. And so that's what happened. Have a question in your life why Jesus does what he does? Come on, you just got to trust. Why? Because Father knows best. So it says, meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away for land, for a strong wind had risen and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, that's shortly before dawn, Jesus came towards them, walking 
on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. Imagine that. I, I just think to myself, imagine that. I, mean, I, I would be terrified too. I said I would be terrified too. Come on, I said I would be terrified of that too. And in their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once. And he said to them, do not be afraid. Take courage, take heart. I am here. Then Peter called out to him, Lord, if that is really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. I know in my life I'm kind of needing more than just one word. I mean, come. I mean, Jesus, can you give me some instructions? What do I expect? What's it going to be like? Can you tell me the pitfalls? Can you tell me the problems? What are we going to experience? How does it feel? Does it tickle my toes? Is it something? Or is it going to feel like concrete? What's going Come. 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 So Peter went over the side of the boat. And he walked on the water towards Jesus. Come on, say with me, it's possible. It's possible, it's possible, possible. And we've got to enjoy that for a moment because we're too quick to get to the next one. But, come on, we've got to start enjoying the possibilities of what's going to happen because our mind wants to quickly say, oh yeah, we we, we love to come to church and say, praise God, he's going to heal. Oh, but. Come on, praise God, I believe that he's able to deliver me and set me free. Oh, but. We forget to rejoice in the miracles and see the possibilities of what God is doing with our lives. And people like to look and say, yeah, he's sunk. Man, you know what? I don't care if he began to sink. He walked on the water, and that's a whole lot more than you and I have ever done in our lives. But when he saw the strong winds and the waves, he was terrified, and he began to sink. It doesn't say he went under. He began to sink, but thank God he was close enough that he cried out, Save me, Lord, he shouted. And Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. And Jesus said to him, You have so... Little faith. Jesus said, why did you doubt me? You've got to trust him. When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. What happened? He walked back into the boat. Just saying. Just saying. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say Jesus put him on his back and said, okay, piggyback, let's go. Jesus didn't throw him over the shoulder. They're climbing back into the boat because they walked back to the boat. And when they climbed in, the wind stopped. Then the disciples worshipped him and said, you really are the son of God. They explained, duh. I mean, duh. How slow are they? They've just seen him take five loaves and two fish and feed a multitude. They've seen miracles happen. They've seen the lame walk. They've seen the blind healed. They've seen lepers cleansed. They've seen all these things. But duh, they're still not believing who he is. I I just want you to know something. It's so easy for us to look at them and say, what's wrong with them? But the reality is, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with me? What's my excuse? Why? Because every one of us today are a walking, talking, breathing miracle of God. If it wasn't for God, we probably wouldn't still be alive today. We certainly wouldn't still be married. We still certainly wouldn't have a job. And we certainly wouldn't have kids who love us. Come on now. We're a walking, talking miracle of God. So picture this. I'm out of time. I'm in the red already. Picture this. We know Peter's a fisherman by trade. Storms and Winds and waves was nothing new to him, but this was something different. Because he had never seen a figure walking on the water. A storm and a ghost, man, they're freaking totally out. But then they hear a voice. Take heart. 
everything is going to be okay. Oh, that thing that you think is going to knock you down. God is saying today, come on, take heart. Come on, I'm doing something in the storm that you may not see. You've got to have faith to believe. You've got to step up onto that thing. You've got to be obedient to my word. Jesus says, take heart. It's going to be okay. Could it be? No, no. There's no, there's no way that that's Jesus. I mean, no man can do that. Peter wants proof. That's the type of person Peter is. Peter says, well, if that's really you, then tell me to come. I want to walk on the water too. And Jesus says, come. And then it happens. Peter gets out of the boat. And he begins to take steps. Steps. And step. Man, that was some step to take a step out of that boat. We like to think that he just kind of stepped out. Man, the boat was going up and down in the waves. Anyone ever watched that deadliest catch? See those boats going up and crashing down? Man, he had to time his departure when he was down on the water because the boat was maybe up in the air and then came down. He had to, man, that was some step that he took. But he locked his eyes on Jesus. Look into Jesus. Look into Jesus, the author and the finisher of my faith. I've got to lock my eyes on Jesus. I'm sure he said to himself, come on, you can do it. It's just the same. You're just one step in front of the other. Come on, it's the same walk. It's the same walk. You just, you just got to keep doing it. But then he began to notice the winds were picking up. The waves were getting bigger. And he begins to panic. He begins to think, man, I'm walking on the water. That's impossible. That can't be done. And he starts talking himself out of the miracle that he's in. And the Bible says he begins to sink. Why does he sink? Because he takes his attention off of Jesus. You see, one of the problems that we have is when we start stepping up and we start seeing what God's doing in our lives, we start to take credit for it. And we start to say, look at me, I'm good and I'm big and I'm bad. Man, look, I'm growing a big church and I'm doing all... No, no, no. The only reason you're doing it is because of what you're standing on. Because of what you're believing in. Because God, come on, it's, you're, you're nothing without God. And Peter begins to sink. And man, do we know that sinking feeling. We know that feeling. And you can say, well, that's good for him. What about me? If Jesus says to someone who dares to get out of boat, you've got little faith, then I'm minus faith. Is that what you think when you read stuff like that? I do. I think, man, if Jesus is attacking him for having the faith to get out of the boat, but he says, you really have no faith. It wasn't the fact that Jesus was attacking him for not having faith. It was the fact that Jesus was attacking him for not trusting in him. And that's where we're at in our lives. And you can say, man, have I just had a faith like Peter? You do. You do. How do I know that? Look at the scripture, Romans 12, 3, the last part, it says, and God has dealt to each one A measure of faith. A measure of faith. What do I know about God? Here's what I know. God is no respecter of persons. Meaning what? He doesn't have favorites. 
I'm chosen, you're chosen. We're all his special people. So that means this. If God doesn't have favorites, that means he's not going to give to Renee more. Now, we have different capacities and we have different... But the fact of this is God has given, I believe, to every single one of us the same measure of faith. That's what I believe. So the meaning is this. You have enough. It's just you're not using enough. You haven't exercised that enough. You haven't released that enough in your life. Why? Because faith is the byproduct of a relationship with God. If you're living in the fullness of God, in relationship with God, you're going to have the faith to move mountains because that's what Jesus said you can do. If you believe you can speak to that man, well, that's impossible. No, it's possible because Jesus said so. But I can stumble and say that's never going to happen or I can stand on it and say, God, I believe that. And I placed my life. You see, Peter obeyed God. And all was good until he started thinking about what he couldn't do. What he was already doing. Catch that. Everything was good until he said, but I can't do that. But hold on a second. That's what I am doing. And that's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to rob you. What is it right now that's ahead of you that feels impossible? Well, what is it that you're facing right now? And, and it's a stumbling block where God says, hey, I want you to step up. I want you to step up into what I have for your life. I want you to step up into the things that have. You see, so often we fail because we get stuck in our heads, tangled in our thoughts, mired in speculation and probability, grasping to make life work any way we can. We want to walk on water. Who wouldn't? But we insist on trying to do it under our own power. We put our trust in something else, then maybe we can figure it out. But you can't figure it out because if you can figure it out, it's not faith. If you can do it, you don't need God. Come on, the moment we think we can is when we take our eyes off Jesus and that's when we begin to sink. Come on, here's a question for you. Do you ever feel overwhelmed? (laughs) Every day. Come on, I'll just be real with you. I feel overwhelmed every day. I feel out of my depth. Every day. But you know what that makes me realize? Hey, I can't make it through today if I don't have you, God. Come on, I'm going to trust your word. Come on, I said, I'm going to put my foot upon your word. I'm going to put my other, I'm going to put my life upon your word. Because God, the church is going down. If you don't show up, God, I can't do it anyway. So I might as well, what? Have the faith to believe that God, you're able to do it. Come on, God is calling you to a bigger life. And it's not just a bigger life, it's your bigger life. I like what Oscar Wilde said. He said this, be yourself because everyone else is already taken. We live in comparisons that will always leave you dissatisfied, envious, resentful, jealous and bitter. Come on, what do we know? The grass will always appear greener beyond your own fence. You'll always find someone doing better than you, succeeding more than you, enjoying life more than you, making more money than you. One last scripture, 2 Corinthians 10, 12, 13. Oh, don't worry. We wouldn't dare say that we are as wonderful as the other men who tell you how important they are. But they are only comparing themselves with each other. They are using themselves as a standard of measurement. Paul says, how ignorant, how foolish, how dumb. We're not going to stand here because they're already promoting themselves and who they are. But notice verse 13. We will not boast about the things done outside of our area of authority. I love that. 
Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm glad he hasn't called me to do all things. He's called me to do that which he has placed in my area of authority. God has given me a grace for certain things. There's a sweet spot for my life, in other words. There's a calling that God has for my life. And I'm going to only boast about what happens within the boundaries of the work that God has given me. Thank God for pastor. Thank God for this person and that person. But you know what? I'm going to step into what God has for me. I'm going to step into my area of authority, influence. And I'm going to do what God has called me to do. And I'm going to be the best at it that I can possibly be. Come on, it's so unwise to compare or assess ourselves based on our own standards or those of others. You've got to be who God has called you to be. Come on, I'm challenging you. You've got you to step up. I said you've got to step up into what God has for your life. Come on, it's scary, I know. It may feel impossible right now. But I'm telling you, you've got to take one step after another. You've got to believe God because I don't want to be a fool and stumble over those things that God wants to use to promote and bless my life. And I'm going to say this and then I'm going to get off my stone today, my rock. You ready? It's not just for me. It's for other people. I need to step up for other people. Do you know what happens when you step up? People see you. I said, people see you. People are looking for someone to follow. They're looking for light and darkness. And it's time that you and I step up. Why? Because we are chosen. We are coiled. We are royalty. We are God's special possession. Come on, you need to make a commitment to be with us this month. Why? Because we're stepping into things that we thought were impossible, but we're going to see God in you. They are possible. Those dreams that we've allowed to die, come on, we're we're, going to step up into some things. Come on, we're going to see some breakthroughs. We're going to see some miracles. We're going to see God do some things. Why? Because that's the God that we serve. We're, We're not going to stumble over those things anymore. We're going to step into what God has. Come on, if you're ready to step, Come on, let's make a step today and stand up all over this place. Come on, I'm ready for more. Come on, as you stand up, just begin to close your eyes. Just begin to surrender your heart to Christ again. Just begin to say, come on, God, I'm made for more. Come on, on, this thing, uh, this job, this circumstance, this sickness, this problem that I'm facing. Come on, it's not going to be a stumbling block for my life. The mistakes I made, come on, they're not going to be stumbling blocks. They're just opportunities set up. For me to stand upon. Because God, I thank you. That God, if I line up to you, because you're still the chief cornerstone. I say, God, you're still the chief cornerstone. You've still got everything planned and prepared for my life. And God, I can trust you. Come on, God's called you to a bigger life today. A greater life. Come on, a greater life. What's holding you back today? Maybe it's your thoughts. Are they a stumbling block where they need to be a stepping stone. Maybe it's your actions, the choices and the decisions. Maybe it's your relationship with God. Come on, whatever may be a stumbling block in your life, God is calling you to stand up, to step up into everything that he has for you. God, I pray that you would help us to be bigger today. 
I pray, God, that we would believe you like never before. God, I pray that we would trust you like never before. I pray that we would have faith like never before. I pray that we would believe like never before. Come on, God, we're going to step into your promises. Come on, I really feel today that we need to do this again. Come on, if you want to take a step of faith today, you, you want to step on top of those mountains. You want to step on top. Come on, you want to step on the devil's head today. He's messed with you for long enough. Come on, you want to take that step. You want, you want to be what God has called you to be. Come on, all over this place, just step out of your boat. Come on, just begin to come to the altar right now. Just begin to step out of your boat. As you begin to come, come on, keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep looking to Jesus because you're doing the impossible. But that's okay because He's the God of the impossible. Come on, you're making possibilities possible right now. You're trusting God right now. Come on, right now, Jesus. Hallelujah.